Welcome to The Power of Rhythm, a podcast with your host, Reinhard Flatischler, founder of Mega Drums, Takatina Symphonic, and a worldwide network of groundbreaking rhythm training. This podcast will offer you an incredible diversity of voices around the one thing that connects us all. Rhythm. Hi, and welcome to episode 17 of my podcast, a special edition, focused on the significance of drumming for community health and well-being. My guest today has created a worldwide movement around the one thing, creating unique experiences in drum circles. In 1980, he founded Village Music Circles, instructing over 7,000 students in the University of California, Santa Cruz, while bringing team building and leadership events to organizations internationally. He is known throughout the world as an inspirational presenter, skilled group facilitator, and motivational trainer. He has trained over 10,000 students in 34 countries. Welcome, Asa Hall. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's, it's very good to see you, even though the audience can't. Uh, it's nice to see your face. It's been quite a few years since we've interacted. I'm glad well, to be here. Yes, thank you of being here. And it's great. This, you know, we share so many uh, students they're telling me about the great experience they have in your drum circles. And so Takatina and your drum circles is kind of related and you're here now. My first personal question to you is, what was your first experience with a drum? Um, there was the tail of a shark sticking out the back of the bottom of a um, Tijuana tack head babalu straight sided uh what we would call today a chico drum uh standard and goma style that was someone was carrying along the beach uh and i was a, 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 a just a, a little boy and the mystery of the shark's tail um sticking out of that drum i followed them uh college kids to a beach party and um they played the drum and then they sat down they got drunk they partied and then i got to play the drum you know um that was my first real experience with my, with my hands on a drum as a, as a young child but i was i was drumming since my mother's third trimester she was very glad to get me out and uh, my first rhythm teacher was a mockingbird in a um, a willow tree where I sat down and had my lunch uh, uh, at, uh, in, in my school lunch. Um, my first real drumming instrument was a sheet metal furnace in the basement of our house that had so many ha uh, sounds uh, that made the room rumble, the cement basement rumble. Uh, and, and my first musical instrument was the stairs down to that um, uh, basement because um, I could take hammers, turn them upside down, use the handles as beaters, and the high notes were the notes lowest 
to the floor and the low notes were the notes highest uh, uh, to the to the kitchen where the uh, the steps led. So I was already a rhythmist and a percussionist long before I actually saw or touched a drum. But of course, the minute I touched that little uh, Chico drum, that was, you know, my life was set. I was, you know, already <laughs> heading in that direction. Then I had no choice. <laughs> what a great beginning turning your house into an instrument that you explore. It's a great we, we, beginning. We all do it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure that you have the same stories. Sure. Uh, in regards to uh, your students and my students interacting, we walk the same path. It's parallel. Uh, uh, and we're using, you know, that form of rhythm. It's not about the drum. Okay. That's rhythm as a way to bring people um, together as a way to create opportunities for different kinds of uh, mental and physical uh, and emotional healing. So it was no surprise that uh, Reinhard Flatish, uh is a part of my life. It went long before I met you and actually long before I read your first book. Okay. Now, here you are having this first experience with your drum. And I'm very curious, when did you start your first drum circle? The idea, people coming together and you are leading them. Tell me about that. Summer of Love, San Francisco. I was in the military um, uh, and I had my uh, weekends off and I could go up to San Francisco and play with the hippie thunder drummers on what they, a place they call Hippie Hill at the end of the panhandle near um, Haight-Ashbury area. But I was actually in town studying with the street drummers, the, uh, the, con con um, the conga players. Uh, and they were teaching me culturally specific Afro-Cuban rhythms and things like that and telling me to stay away from the hippie thunder drummers. And I was already a hippie thunder drummer just by the nature of free form rhythm, right? Uh, and so uh, I would go to these free form drum circles after I would do my culturally specific drum lessons downtown. Uh, and uh, it was wonderful and horrible because there was this, this freedom that you just didn't have in when you're studying culturally specific drumming. You have to play a part, you sit on that part, all the parts fit together. The parts are old, uh, passed down from generation to generation and have purpose and meaning and dances that go with them and activities. You know, in Africa, you don't sing unless you dance, you don't dance unless you sing and you, and you don't dance and sing unless you drum. Uh, and every rhythm had focus and a purpose, rhythm for uh, flirting, a rhythm for um, marriage, rhythm for having babies uh, in that order, uh, and so on and so forth, where the hippie thunder drummers, uh, and we wore that that label proudly, thunder drummers, uh, even though it was a, a, a negative comment as to the kind of music that came out of the, the carnage that we created. Uh, had the freedom of expression. Uh, and I was about to go overseas. The last few uh, drumming sessions, I, I, I loved the, the culturally specific drumming because it encompassed all the musicality of what 
what it's what it's about, how to listen, and knowing that there's space between the notes that are as important as the notes themselves. Um, uh, knowing that these parts fit into this other part, and then they they create a melody line that exists only when the parts are perfectly in alignment, uh, and and paying respect to the elders and the ancient traditions of the culture of, of Africa as well as all over the world, as you know. But then I would just you know, there's I would go to the hippie hippie hill and just just blow it out just have some fun uh make mistakes uh stop drumming for a bit and listen and 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 and, and jump back in and it was wonderful in that respect uh the, the freedom of expression but horrible in the in the, in the exp- that not everybody understood the sensibility of musicality and listening to each other and creating a musical song so the song would come like an octopus leaning down and playing all of us at once uh, and it sounded just like any culturally specific rhythm where all the parts fit and, and locked in together and, and all of a sudden we're in that blissful state and some crazy guy who just got excited starts jamming on top of it and knocks rhythmically everyone to, you know and so we have these what we call crash burn and die moments and and Sometimes it's the perfect time because everyone's tired. We're ready to quit. And that's one of the reasons why the crash, burn and die happens. And at other times, it's not the right time. And everyone is really connected and only takes three or four people in this kind of del- delicate environment to mess it up simply by not listening or getting their egos uh, on their drum uh, and so on and so forth. And so I, at the age of 18, frustrated because we were at this magical musical place and one or two guys were not listening to where we were going or what we were doing and they were causing the rhythm to get in trouble and i walked in the middle of the circle a young angry young man who wanted it to be beautiful and perfect and i slammed my fist down in the uh into my palm going this is the pulse. Listen to the pulse. God damn it. And I did that until everybody got back together again. I sat down and um, I quote, saved the magic of the rhythm for a moment. Uh, and and when it finally all fizzled out like it normally does in a hippie thunder drummer circle, a guy leaned over next to me and went, hey, man, what you did, that was cool. Next time, use a cowbell. And that was that was the first time I ever got in the middle of a, a of a circle, uh, and and I um, couldn't stay out of it. It took uh, it a wonderful lesson to be an elder in a, a community that uh, you've you've helped pioneer and build, but brought together people who are smarter and wiser than you and educate you about what you're doing to help re refine your your mission and your direction because at the beginning it was all about me and now it's not all about me even though that paradox still exists every time anyone steps in the middle of the circle it's all about them but no it's all about the circle yeah now let me ask you one thing when the hippie uh, drum circles happened there was no one to lead right it just the rules was there are no rules Mm -hmm. We don't need no stinking badges. Uh, the, uh, I mean, if I walked into a hippie thunder drumble circle today, which I do on a regular basis, because I, I love that freeform um, foundational experimentation that just never 
never stops evolving. I cannot wear my little beanie hat and my vest, okay? Otherwise, they will put, make the sign of the cross and chase me out of the circle with pitchforks. I understand the, the rules and regulations in regards to all of the different kinds of kinds of drum circles that exist today. Uh, so I would take my hat off and my vest and just go there as an old fat man with a big drum. Um, listen, the, the hippie thunder drummers saw the culturally specific drummers like a wild horse sees a corral. Don't <laughs> fence me in, right? And, and the culturally specific traditionalists who are studying respectfully the rhythms of the ancients and, and their purpose and, and their culture, because um, it's not about the rhythm. It's the rhythm just you know, sucks you into the culture. Um, they see the hippie thunder drummers as disrespectful to the ancients uh, and ignorant, and which we are on some level, uh, and so on and so forth. And so it's really two sides of the same coin, okay? And, and I have straddled that, those two sides all of my life in relationship to facilitating family-friendly community drum circles using in-the-moment music definition for hippie thunder drumming okay uh as uh the format for connecting people together uh in the magic of rhythm i'm using the principles of the musicality that was taught to me by my the master drummers uh that i've worked with uh, all of my life uh and applying those principles and educating the group that i'm with towards musicality. So by the, the end of a community drum circle with mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, kids running around all over the place, the musicality, the listening, uh, the level of connection is based not on their rhythmical expertise, but on how they listen to, collaborate, and cooperate with each other. And they don't need me anymore. I have to go, G-O-O-W, get out of their way to enable them to make that connection. Right, uh, but before you came to all these revelations, of course, uh, there was this one aha moment you shared with us, you know? You just wanted the people to understand the basic bonds. And right. then, ha, okay, from here, maybe this is your first moment where the idea comes, oh, someone could lead without leading. And now, how do you get from there <clears throat> to these massive circles that we have seen? Maybe I play just a little bit that people imagine how many people have there been this NAM circle, like several hundred people, right? Um, the, the largest group that we had was 1,200 people. Uh, the average uh, uh, NAM uh, drum circle is about six to 800. Yeah, I imagine. And those are people who are not all drummers, right? I cheat. Uh, most of them are not all drummers. Yeah. Um, I've been doing the annual NAM uh, 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 show. It's at the NAM is the National Association of Music Merchants in Los Angeles for uh, more years than I want to tell you. Uh, and when I first went there, I, I couldn't get anybody to come to these circles. Okay. Uh, a, you know, so we, we did the circles outside deliberately and caught them when they walked out of the show itself because the people were kicking them out. It was time to sh shut down the show for that evening. And they would come and uh, 
uh, run into this drum circle, go, what's going on, right? Uh, what band is this? Uh, and I also cheated, which I always did, was invite the local drum circle community to come and help me set up all those drums uh, and uh, to be the core of, of the circle in the, in the center, the first couple of rows, a really volunteer uh, veteran drum circle enthusiast, not necessarily uh, musicians, right? And then, then we'd, they would come on out. Now, nowadays, I'm walking down the booths and the aisleways of the, the non-merchant show, and they're going, what, when's the drum circle? Is it, is it Saturday at five o'clock like usual, right? And now I've ended up converting the NOM population into drum circle enthusiasts. Let, let's hear how that sounds. Imagine several hundred people. <laughs> moment i stepped out of the circle okay i was marking the pulse locking the group together and boom once it was locked i can leave and what you hear uh after the hip 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 is them playing without me and the music was wonderful because you captured probably the end of that particular nom circle yeah yeah, and it, that's what uh, I really share with you. This is the beauty of stimulating it and then getting out of the way. Because, you know, if you keep your hands on it, it's never going to groove. So stimulate and then let it go. Beside of these drum circles, you also have a long, long-standing relationship with James Asher. And oh, my heart warms with that name. <laughs> yeah. How did you uh, meet him? And, and... I, you know, I, uh, except for, hey, welcome to COVID year. I'm not traveling. Uh, and for the last 30 years, um, I commute to work. Uh, Asia in the springtime and Europe in the fall. And so every single year, um, um, I end up spending one to two weeks with James Asher in the studio. Uh, he called me up. I, I was... A young man, I was frustrated about all, all of my contemporary percussionists wanting to make their own album. And in relationship to that, they would uh, kind of, um, you know, lay down some grooves and then kind of, uh, pardon the expression, masturbate on top of it. It's like, blah, 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 blah. Let, let me show you how good I am. Plop, 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 plop. There was no music. And I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm, you know, I, I, want, I want emotional context and musicality inside the rhythm the rhythm is only what it is but without layering in the context and um james asher i had every one of his albums up to that point and of course every single album after i met him but uh since half of uh him and i made together he was a guy who i'd never met who i couldn't figure out if he was a like you a drumming musician or a musical drummer because you fit in that category quite well uh, and then he calls me up and he says, hello, Arthur. Is this Arthur Hull? He's the only person that can pronounce my name correctly uh, because he's, he uses upper English. Uh, even I can't pronounce my name correctly. Uh, and I go, yes, who's this? And he says, perhaps you've heard of me. My name's James Asha. I go, I heard of you. I've got all your albums, you know. And he greets, you know, he wants to greet me and host me um, because I'm coming into London, which I do every single year to do a couple of shows, uh, plus uh, uh, do a training. And 
you wanted to host me. And I get in the car and he goes, where would you like to go? Piccadilly Circus, you know, with all the buskers and the music. Oh, been there. I go there every year. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, how about the Tower of London? Uh, off with their heads and all that. And I go, no, 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 James. No, no, no. I, I went to the Tower of London three times. That's good enough for me. Uh, I hear they've opened up the dungeon. It's brand new. Yeah. Yeah. They opened it up last year. I was, I already went to it. He said, well, he's getting frustrated. Well, where do you want to go? And I went, your studio. <laughs> and it was love at first beat. Uh, and so uh, without intention, we just started doing rhythmical alchemy with no intention to, to make any albums or something like that. And after three or four years of doing this, um, one of his uh, album companies called him up and said, look, uh, we've got uh, a page open in the catalog uh, and uh, we'd like to put an album of yours in that, that new new page. And, going, and he goes, well, you know, we have a contract and I give you an album every year and you've got your album. And they went, well, this is just an opportunity. Well, if you want to take it. Uh, and, and then he goes around and he grabs a bunch of, our stuff okay and that was our first album and it was amazing mm -hmm. uh the, how he first of all our collaboration is amazing um i've got stuff to deliver that and he's got stuff to deliver and we, we mix it up and we just let it go sometimes we're we're talking a scenario rather than the musicality of it oh it's james bond and he's on a train okay and now he's going through a tunnel and now he's being attacked and so it was, it was really wonderful. So when we got together the next year, we were all excited because we got an album out and it, and it sold really well. And then we tried to make an album and it was horrible because <laughs> we were trying to make an album, you know, mm -hmm. and we think like musicians and uh, coming up with a product and no, 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 no. I mean, we gave up, we wasted a whole year. Okay. You know, our one to two weeks of, of, of alchemy together, trying to make something rather than being together and sharing our rhythmical alchemy. And so that's what we've done for uh, 15, 20 years. Is now, to put some flesh on the bone here that people got to hear, what's this collab uh, collaboration like? I had some of some recordings from you and him. concept called layering in so you're layering in different parts one at a time so the person listening to it can play along with it okay it's like music minus one <laughs> yeah The drums mainly you and he is uh, programming. The... This particular one is from an album called um, 
um, uh, let's see, it's a, it's a, it's the play along album. Okay? Yes. Um, and uh, it it was it was done acoustically and deliberately, uh, uh, in this this fashion because it was uh, the different universal grooves that a drum circle facilitator could use in their drum circle without necessarily forcing the group to play something culturally specific and in in doing so disrespecting the culture okay. right and mm -hmm. so there are universal that was the heartbeat rhythm piece and the universal grooves things um uh was a, a acoustic album all the drums were remo oh, uh, wow. uh, uh he, he's bought every single drum remo makes <laughs> so i didn't have to drag anything around uh uh and then with a little bit of uh added musicality in, in on a couple of the pieces but mostly just to have someone be able to listen to parts of uh, different music being built on top of it, choose a part and, and play along with it to explore that rhythm. We did a write-up in the back of my workbook for my three-day drum circle facilitator trainings. And the write-up was each one of those universal grooves I described where the different kinds of cultures came from that these grooves you could find everywhere in the world, right? They're universal. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and how they would, uh, you could apply them and hints about utilizing them inside of a drum circle without uh, forcing, uh, without turning it into a, a drum class. Let me play one thing that really got my attention. It's a very deep groove that you created here. Let's hear. This is our collaboration. really that's a good representation of uh the james asher arthur hall collaboration and I, I understand why you like it because uh there's a little bit of mega drum sensibility in there do you use that in drum circles or if you do a drum circle it's just the drums it as a drum circle facilitator you take wherever they give you mm -hmm. so somebody comes in with a, a back a saxophone or a, a electrified bass uh or other kinds of instrumentation uh, you know, you see it as a gift and you utilize it. Now, with a mus musician, you also some have to sometimes go over to that musician and say, because, and talk to their ego a little bit and say, you know, this is without saying this, you're saying it without saying it, saying this is not a foundation for you to solo on for the next hour and a half, right? Share your spirit, put the music in, back out a little bit, make space, put your music back in, that kind of stuff. You have to do that sometimes with... Um, hotshot solo drummers who want to show you how good they are and they're so busy showing you that they're getting in the way of the music how to be able to encourage them and utilize their expertise uh, stroke their ego every once in a while their musical ego and at the same time 
get them to be as strongly supportive of the groove as they are um, wanting to get on top of the groove and show you how good they are. What I'm really interested is, this is an amazing concept. You say like whatever someone brings or what the situation is, you work with it. So how are you teaching people who learn from you to make drum circles? How do you teach them to go with any situation and deal with any situation? That's a very interesting question for me. Uh, the beginning beginners come into uh, our, our training and, and they just, they, you know, most of them now are internet trained. So they see these guys doing, you know, twiddling their fingers and making stop cuts and things like that. And that's what the video shows. The video doesn't show the real work that goes on behind the scenes. It's just the person getting up in the middle of the circle, jumping up and down. And some people think that's what you do and then you never leave the circle. Okay. So you give them that basic technology of making stop cuts and understanding that. Then you talk about the intention of what you're doing. And that breaks it down into four sections. Number one, dictator. You're dictating to them the body language that you're going to use to guide them to their musicality later. So at first, you're really the dictator. Um, then secondly, now all of a sudden, you can use your, your body language to guide them to listening to the musical principles. So you're directing them by the activities that you're doing them to listen to each other. For instance, um, you've taught them how to continue to play and how to stop and, and you sculpt out and showcase all the low drummers, the big bass drums, right? Uh, and then stop everybody else at once. And now all the bass drummers are drumming. Now for some people who are sitting in that circle, they didn't hear the bass drummers. They were so busy with all the wonderful noise and confusion and, and just excitement, you know, and all of a sudden they hear the foundation of the music. And then you find different ways to layer in different players, or you can call the whole group back in together. But the more you allow them to come in on their own, like at your leisure, join this song, you are being a sneaky bastard. And slowly but surely, you move them into the principles of understanding that you're making space between the notes for other people's creativity by the notes that you're making, those kinds of things. Now, that was step two, that's director. Now you've directed them towards musicality. Once the musicality happens, okay, now you start uh, working with that music and you can start really facilitating their music. And so the first thing you do in a drum circle is you go in for short little moments when the rhythm is in trouble, you know, the hippie thunder drummer crash, burn and die stuff. And then maybe in the beginning, you actually let it almost die so they, they're looking around looking, where's our savior? You come in, here he comes to save the day. And you should wear a cape. Uh, and uh, uh, then you come in and you you fix whatever's fixed it. And then, then you go out and you're really telling them, I'm here to help you when you're in trouble. Okay, so they know that you're not just getting in the middle of the circle, standing there and, and creating a musical piece where you're the conductor and they're just the players, right? It's, it's really up them, up to them. So by the time they get to musicality, the time that you actually need to get into the circle to facilitate is less and less and less. Mm -hmm. And the music is, uh, the level of musicality amongst the players are higher and higher and higher, regardless as if it's mom and dad or kids. 
And then finally, it gets to the point where if you're doing it right, they don't need you. <laughs> you're fired. You Your job description of a drum circle facilitator is to fire yourself because they don't need you anymore. <laughs> and that's when you become the orchestrator. And now they trust you as much as you need to trust them. And now you take your musical sensibility, and this is where you, Reinhard Flavisher, would be really good at this, is to come in, listen to what they're offering, and take them on a musical journey they can't go on them uh, on their own, mm -hmm. okay? That's the, you know, that's the end of a, a one-hour drum circle, yeah, is yeah. where you actually get to play with and bend the rules that you've already established as a drum circle facilitator. By that time, you know, you've got an orchestra. That doesn't mean that they can, you know, after their drum circle, that they can go out and audition for a, a, a gig in a band, but they've learned the principles of listening to each other and sharing the rhythmical spirit. And the most important thing is the connection that you're helping them make is what the music is based on. It's not based on their musical expertise. So we say that you have, you have playing abilities and you have playing abilities. And one of them is how, you know, your, your chops, where, where can you go? Flan, tap, dip, paradiddles, whatever you got, right? And, 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 but a grandma who's got a mallet and one big drum uh, can find the beat and she's just as important as the, the player. And so her ability to listen and put that one single note in the right spot is as important, if not more important, than the hotshot drummer that can play 100 drum beats around her. And so some of these aspects that you just mentioned, like following the people who are following you, okay? These are principles that we impart in our, our drum circle facilitator trainings. Simple little things uh, like that help you, help you understand um, the magic of the collaborative experience of spirit coming together, connected to hands, connected to drums and percussion instruments. You really laid out the uh, whole process that the people go through very clearly. Now my question comes also for our listeners who have not made this experience yet. Are there some basic rhythm archetypes or some basic rhythm that you start with? How do you start the drum circle? So people come together. Uh, and um, the, the idea is instead of um, setting up a rhythm, okay, cheat. Okay, cheating is really good for a facilitator. For instance, you have shills. You understand shills? Shields? Okay. No. What is yeah, shield? It's uh, um, they have it all over the world. They have different names for it. Um, 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 a shill is a person that, like, if you're a comedian and you're going to do a show, you go out and you pay a couple of people to laugh at your jokes at the right uh -oh. time, and that feeds <laughs> okay. the rest of the yeah, people. Yeah. Right? A shill. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and um, uh, you get you get some of your supporters, uh, your low drummers. And sometimes I'll actually keep the doors closed until the a real official time. Uh, Germans like that, uh, instead of just like opening up the doors and letting them coming in. And then I'll have the 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 bottom players play uh, just a, a a rhythm with a a bass note 
orientation. And as they come in, they start locking into that. And you just let it happen rather than having them come. Like in China, my first drum circle, they all came in, sat down, didn't touch a drum. And I'm going, what's wrong? You know, they're, oh, we're waiting for you to tell us to start. I said, well, start. And I didn't go one, two, let's all play or, or, or do a rhythm or anything. And they all just started. And it was cacophony for about three minutes until finally a beat formed, right? And uh, the beat formed. And all of a sudden, now there was something I could work with, right? Yeah, I see Both much orientation. more. I see much so more. So cheating, cheating is, is, you know how it all is supposed to work. But you don't want to say, I am the leader and you are the follower. And one of the principles working with the people who work with you is, you know, follow the people who are following you. What you described from China is even much deeper for me, because if you go what you call cacophony, it's actually like this flexible chaos. And then yeah. organization starts to happen. They come together. That's a very interesting phenomenon we both share, like Takatina base is so much based on going in chaos and going back to the rhythm and going in chaos and going back to rhythm. Great. So let's hear a little bit more of your music. I have uh, here. That is very nice. James, right? With a kangogi, I can hear here. African bell. Kangogi. Yeah. Yeah. In Ghana, oh, it's called kangogi. Yeah. Any way you say it, everyone's going to say it's wrong and then give you five different ways of saying it. <laughs> yes. This is your Nigerian highlight to the one. Yes. To the one. I played a long time with uh, the Adi family, like Aja Adi and so. So, yep. is the next country over, you know? Yep. And. By the way, I um, I don't know if you know that I met Olatunji way way before in India when we were invited by a festival, and I always met him again and again till he was in Boston in the hospital where he died. And so he was also for you a very important person, wasn't it? Twenty years. And that brings us to the Rimu family. Um, all those people then reconnected around Remo from Babatonde to you, to me, to Glendales, and you know, that's also where uh, similar projects like Planet Drums and Mega Drums, you know, they are all were circling around. Remo, I call him dad. He didn't like it, <laughs> but he, he lived with it. Okay. Uh, and he was the ultimate dot connector yeah. and it was his company. And at the same time, it was his toy. And he loved to go into area 51 and create things no one had ever seen or heard before. That's, that was what we called his research and development department. He's always going, well, well, what do you think of this? And then of course, as a drum maker, I go, well, I think that the, your bearing edge needs to be a little bit fatter here. And, the, and if you close the neck here, the, 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 the girth ring can, can have better, you know, grabbing and all. And next time I came down to work on my design for my drums, I designed at least nine drums for Remo. He showed me this thing again and, and it had been done. What I said he, he might do, it'd been done. He goes, okay, what's next? <laughs> uh, but he was a definite dot connector. He saw this 
long before this came into being. And he put millions, literally millions of dollars of his own money, not from Remo, but from his money that he made from Remo, okay, back into the uh, this community in so many different ways. The research and development that he did uh, with... Um, uh, Dr. Barry Bittman and uh, health rhythms, uh, all the different research, uh, uh, validated research studies that he had uh, paid for in relationship to reducing stress, uh, boosting our immune system, stimulate creative expression, inducing deep work, uh, relaxation, all those different aspects that we all talk about. But he went and paid for studies that proved these things uh, exist and work. You know, there's science behind the activities that we talk when we use the word healing. But in relationship to what you're talking about, he brought us all together. He was the dot connector by having Glenn Valles and, and me and, and uh, lots of other people design their own drums and become endorsers of products that they designed, that they put themselves into, that they put into uh, all different kinds of communities, um, made Remo the, the drum company for lots of people who couldn't find the drums that they needed that served their particular constituency. So that was a really, really, he was a great businessman. But at the same time, he was a great humanitarian because he really believed this stuff. He sent me to so many health and healing conferences. And one of the reasons why I am worldwide is because he paid for my travel. And when I finally got to the point where I could train some trainers, thank you very much, Reinhard, for your modeling of that. Um, uh, he helped pay for getting them all to Scotland from all over the world, 16 mm -hmm. of the international trainers, mm -hmm. um, so that they could do the program. I, I don't know anyone else who have listened so carefully to people. Like I've seen him sitting in a workshop a whole day, completely attentive. And, you know, this many, many hours we spent in Paso Roble on, on his vineyard and yeah, yeah. contemplated. A new I love project. that little ranch. And they, they bought, for me, they did this beautiful Targetina mother drum. That sounds like a pseudo of unbelievable dimensions. Everyone plays it now. So it's the same story, you know. Right. Now, at this point, my, uh, my dear, where are you going from here? What's your dream? What's your vision from here on? Oh my God. <laughs> um, you know, we finished the America's Training the Trainers program in February of this year, just before COVID shut down. So I now have about 32 trainers and that's all I need, except for a few in China. Um, um, that's it. When the COVID breaks, okay, obviously what, everybody wants to do is reconnect and i'm, I'm oh, sure yes. that people like you and i are going to benefit from that drastic need um to get away from uh zoom and to actually hug people and and actually hear a rhythm that's in the same room as you rather than hearing it through a speaker on your computer 
And so that's the legacy. I could die right now and uh, it doesn't matter. I'm a happy boy. Uh, everything's uh, going to be taken care of. This mission is going to continue. Uh, and we've got a really good community. You're looking at it right here. Uh, yeah. At the end of every training, what I did was I collected a piece of string from each student. Uh -huh. Nice. This is a ball yeah. of string. Yeah, I feel so, the same way. Uh, mission accomplished, but I love to continue. We have a very similar path. And yeah, I, I actually hope uh, that uh, you see here my Vienna Your beautiful studio. studio. Uh, I really hope uh, sometimes you will come to Vienna and be really my guest here and we drum together. <laughs> that would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we both have gone through the process of, of inventing something and then turning it into a worldwide movement uh, and then going through what I call founder's disease when you can finally be secure enough in what it is to let it let it go let it expand that speaks and, very high about you that you let it also you know that freedom to evolve because if we like keep on too much uh regulations and everything it's you know it dies down when we go and we want everything to uh you know go on so absolutely yeah thank you for sharing all the wisdom and this beautiful project you have very adorable so maybe we just finish a little bit with people we all know this is Ayatou Morera, Saki Hussein, Glenn Glass, <laughs> Blaine. The gods, the, the gods of rhythm and uh, Mickey's buddies. Yeah, this is Megadrums in 2000. And Reinhard Flatischer's buddies. Yes. <laughs> So let me thank you again very, very much that uh, you came on my podcast, you shared all your intelligence and your beauty. Uh, how can people find you on the net? Uh, drumcircle.com. You can find, you can go to my website. Uh, there's a video, one hour video on what we've actually talked about that'll give you a, a, a good sensibility of you can actually, after the video, you can go out and, and start making trouble for yourself and learning how to learn how to be a, a drum circle facilitator. Reinhardt, thank you very much for this opportunity. It's so good to see you. Nice to chat with you. This could be a, a five hour conversation. We just touched the tips of the icebergs, my friend. God bless you for your work that you've been doing, your inspiration. And, and and the good person that you are thank you so much really check out alpha halls and all his work around the globe and become part of his community as well if you like the podcast go to powerofrhythm.com forward slash podcast and you can also follow me on facebook and instagram Lots of more episodes coming on all around this one thing that connects us all, which is rhythm. Rhythm. <laughs> Share your spirit. Thank you so much, Matthias. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And to you listeners, have a great day. Be happy. Enjoy life. Drum. <laughs>